0: And, you know, in sales, in particular with outside sales, our job is to reduce risk. Like, that's Mm -hmm. what we're trying to do in the sales process is just make them feel more comfortable, reduce the risk for them to make the decision to work with us.
1: Welcome to Outside Sales Talk, where we meet with industry experts to learn the strategies and tactics that make them successful. I'm your host, Steve Benson, and I've helped thousands of salespeople all over the world crush their quota. Today, I'll help you crush yours. Welcome to Outside Sales Talk. Today, I've got Cindy McGovern with me, and she's going to talk about the five-step formula and uh, every job is a sales job, which is also the title of her book, I believe. (laughs) Um, So, uh, Cindy, welcome to Outside Sales Talk.
0: Thank you you so much for having me, Steve. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: So just by way of introduction, um, Dr. Cindy McGovern is a Top rated speaker, best selling author, and consultant at Orange Leaf Consulting. After years of consulting companies and helping them grow their business, she had an epiphany. Every job really is a sales job, and every person is a salesperson. With these experiences, she wrote the book, Every Job is a Sales Job How to Use the Art of Selling to Win at Work. So, I guess my first question, Cindy, is your job or is your, is your book, Every Job is a Sales Job, a book for salespeople?
0: It's a job for mostly non-salespeople, believe it or not, because it's overcoming that ick factor of sales is mm-hmm. what I want them to be able to do. But what's funny is so many of my clients are salespeople that they've recognized that the five-step formula is actually helping them to shorten their sales cycle as well. So it's a little bit of A and a little bit of B.
1: Outstanding. Um, so, why do you say just in in general? Why do you say every job is a sales job?
0: I believe that sales is more than a business skill. I believe it's a life skill. Um, quite frankly, I think we were gypped. We should have gotten taught you know some sort of sales function in high school, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we didn't. And it, it, it well, and it's funny because you understand this too. It took me twenty something years to figure out how to really sell and figure out what that actually meant. And it's really about helping other people. Mm -hmm. And that's something everyone does. And we're all selling every day, whether you're doing self-promotion, whether you're selling your personal brand, you're selling yourself to your boss that you deserve the promotion or the raise. That's all sales skills. We just don't call it sales. We call it convincing, persuading. And so I firmly believe that whatever job you're in, it actually is a sales job just depending on the capacity that you're using the sales skills to get what you want.
1: Yeah. When I first saw your book a while back, I was like, yeah, I've I've been, I've thought this, you know, forever. (laughs) And and, you know, I, I've, uh, I've, my background was in sales, but I bet I've been interviewed a hundred times where I've where where that's one of my, one of my points is, you know, what a key advantage when I started this company was that I had a sale, the CEO had a sales background. Like it, it changed our product development because it let me, I, I spent, I was better at getting more prospective users to like engage with me and talk to me about what they would want out of such a solution. And so we actually built what they wanted and that shortened our d- dev cycles because we actually built exactly what the actual person that was going to use it wanted. And then obviously selling to customers is more of an obvious one, but hiring people like that's a sales skill. Um, so our, our, especially the early hires, I mean, anyone's crazy to join a unfunded two person startup, right? So, you know, employ, but employee number three turned out was a really important guy, <laughs> but, that was, but I, I had to sell him. I had to sell his wife. Everybody. Um, I mean, he, I kind of had to sell his kids, even though they were like, you know, five and eight at the time. <laughs> but,
0: but you're, but, but you're selling the idea, right? And so yeah. even with like, and, and I get this all the time, like salespeople are like, well, duh, every job is a sales job. I'm like, but you forget that you're selling to your internal customer too. You're selling to the mm-hmm. account management team. You're selling to the software team. You're selling to the bosses. Like you're selling even when you're not selling. And so I wanted everybody to be able to embrace that and be able to do it more effectively and more efficiently. And so that's why I wrote the book. <laughs>
1: And, and what is it about most people that you think is not efficient or effective about their sales, uh, sales skills? So non-sales people I think we're primarily talking about.
0: So it's funny because you'll totally appreciate this, it's the lack of a plan. And even great salespeople have a lack of a plan, whether it's their route plan, whether it's their, I mean, you know, all of this, I'm preaching to the choir,
1: Absolutely. But, but
0: it's sort of like we, and especially seasoned sales pros struggle with that even more because they get used to what they're doing We're, we get good at flying by the seat of our pants. Mm-hmm. So we stopped doing the thing that made us successful in the beginning, which was having a really good plan or planning for the conversation. So I think that's one of the areas where we could all take a page out of you know, a sales process and be able to sit back and truly plan better what it is you wanna get, whether it is shifting your career, whether it is getting that promotion, moving departments, getting that big client, whatever it is, take a step back and really look at what the steps are that should be getting you there.
1: And what do you think, uh, why do you think people have such a negative image of of sales in general? So kind of non-sales professional, where where does that image come from and, and what should we do about it?
0: So I think I blame the media truthfully because every stereotypical salesperson we see in movies and television is the icky salesperson is that, you know, I call him Tommy two thumbs. It's the used car sales approach. Hey, what's (laughs) it going to take? Yeah. (laughs) And you know, this as a salesperson, we don't sell that way. Very few salespeople actually sell that way, but that's what we're fed. Mm -hmm. And that's what we liken it to. And truthfully, even as consumers, we tend to hold on to the bad experiences that we've had in sales where we were actually sold mm-hmm. on something, which was really a transactional sale, or we felt like we were pushed into something. But we don't think about all the successful, wonderful sales where we walked away feeling really good about that purchase or we felt really good about that interaction. So I think it's sort of the conditioning that we've had where people think, oh, well, that's a salesperson. And mm-hmm. that's not entirely true. And, and it's funny because I'm kind of on this mission now, Steve, to change the way everybody looks at sales. And by the way, I don't know when I'm done, we might have to have a, a new word for it or something because <laughs> there is that negative connotation around that word sales.
1: Revenue consultant?
0: <laughs> it's something. We're going to have to come up with a new one.
1: <laughs> so um, what, what what is your view? I mean, the, the obvious objection to your book is that you know someone that you say, oh, you're a salesperson? They say, no, 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 but I'm not a salesperson. I'm a CEO, or no, I'm not a salesperson. I'm, I'm uh, in marketing, or I'm in, I'm an engineer. How do you, how do you, what do you say to them?
0: So my answer first is I was you because I never wanted to be in sales because I had the icky thought process around it as well. So I, I get it. I completely understand where they're coming from. So my first response is. Totally get it. And then of course, using consultative sales, tell me more. But the objection aspect is you are selling. You just don't call it that. How did you get that job as an engineer? You interviewed for it. So you sold yourself to somebody to get them to hire you. If you're, you know, I was being interviewed on a radio show recently and they were like, well, what, how is a janitor, uh, a salesperson? And I'm like, because they're actually selling the image of that building When you walk in whether you recognize it or not and your definition of a successful interaction in that store that grocery store that doctor's office whatever begins with what you see first so that janitor is actually selling it to you Mm -hmm. so it's it's really funny when you kind of take a step back and you recognize that sales are actually all around us we just don't necessarily recognize them as sales yet
1: yeah not to to mention that that janitor had to sell her husband on you know an idea yesterday or she had to sell her yep. friend on another idea, or she had, to, she had to interview for the job. I mean, there's, the sales is just everywhere in our lives.
0: Oh my God, like if you're a parent and you have ever gotten a child to eat anything green, you're like the best salesperson on the planet.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> you know,
0: it's kind of magical. Or if, you, or if you have a dog and you've trained your dog, you're selling them on this idea, like that's even sales. So it's kind of funny when you step back and think about it, that everybody's actually really good at sales. They just haven't tapped back into it. And and I would, part of the thing that I want to encourage people is to remember that you actually have this skill set already and you are using it. And we all had it when we were five because any five-year-old is actually the best salesperson on the planet. If you've ever tried to negotiate with a (laughs) five-year-old, they will win. (laughs) They will wear you down. We all have that. We had it when we were five. It's just re-tapping into it to use it to get what you want now as an adult.
1: And those natural abilities, because um, some people have different levels of it. Can you, can you be a great salesperson if you're not naturally outgoing and talkative? Yeah,
0: I actually think you're better at sales if uh, you're an introvert, believe it or not. And I know everybody in outside sales is like, "What are you talking about? You know, <laughs> I'm an extrovert. I get it." But the introverts are better listeners than us extroverts sometimes. They actually are sort of the sponge. And to truly use that consultative approach and really be able to listen to what the other side needs, you have to stop talking and you have to let them speak. And introverts are great at that. So I would say you don't have to have that outgoing personality. You just have to be able to listen.
1: Yeah. And this is a life skill, right? Um, what- Talk about what, why do you believe sales is a life skill and listening is a life skill and, um, and how, how does that impact people's lives?
0: So I think everything starts with listening. Like that's how we figure out, that's how we learn, right? You're learning this in kindergarten and first grade and in college, whatever. So you're, you're learning through listening. But how many of us actually had a class on listening? How many of us learned to listen? nobody <laughs> we were we were badgered into it we were like you must listen listen to me look at me when i'm talking to you mm-hmm. but we didn't actually learn how to listen so there is a bit of an art and a science to listening and i think if we can treat like teach ourselves to listen better you actually can hear things the other person's not saying maybe verbally but with their body language or with the pauses in their voice and the more we listen the more information we actually get. But you do have to pause and sit back and pay attention to the entire message, whether that is listening to the nonverbal or listening to, you know, maybe what's not being said. And I think if we can learn that, that's the key to unlocking basically everything else. Because when you can listen to what somebody else needs, you can deliver on that need and probably in the process, get what you want as well.
1: And and this relates to everyday life. What 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 are things people can do to look for opportunities to sell and develop themselves in their in their everyday life.
0: So it's funny. So I I talk about the five step process in the book and, and the first step is obviously having a plan. Once you have a plan, you move to step two, which is look for opportunities. So it is truly about identifying the areas that can get you closer to or further from your plan and recognizing what to do with them. You know, it's not being handed the, gr- the greatest opportunities. It's about handling the opportunities really well when they come your way, but you have to have your spidey senses up around that. So I think if you have that good plan of what you're, you're wanting, those opportunities will start to present themselves. And there's actually a psycholo- psychological um, phenomenon It's called the blue car syndrome. And basically it's when you buy a blue car, you start to notice blue cars everywhere. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's, simply because it's your, your psyche is looking for that because you're like, oh, now I have a blue car. So it's the same thing with sales. If you are looking to, let's just say, build your network and you're looking for people that are outside your sort of first and second tier of contacts, and you want somebody in the software space that has connections overseas, you start looking for that because you have a plan around it. Otherwise you're sitting there just kind of I don't want to say drifting, but a little bit. And so, for salespeople in particular, this is hugely important to continue to build that network because then, and only then, do you get that chance to have face to face, or voice to voice, or video to video, where you can listen, understand, and then which is step three. Then you move on to asking, and then finally, following up is the fifth step.
1: Um, okay, let's let's run through those really quick. Just yeah. all so have a plan. Absolutely. Notice the opportunity is number two. Number three is what?
0: Listening and establishing trust.
1: Listening. That's the, and that's the main
0: trust. one. And that is one where even seasoned sales pros fall down, in my opinion. I think seasoned salespeople mistake trust for rapport mm-hmm. and they get them confused. I think rapport is I can like you, I can go have a cup of coffee with you, I can even have multiple conversations with you and still not trust you. I have to trust you in order to buy from you.
1: So rapport means, you know them, you've hung out with them. Trust means what to you?
0: They will open up and tell me what it is they actually need. They will give me the opportunity to truly listen to their challenges, what their difficulties are and how I might be able to service them, how I might be able to help. And that's going to shorten your sales cycle that's going to help open the referral floodgates because once I trust you, then I want to go tell other people about you. But if I don't trust you, if I just like you, that's a different thing. And you know, in sales in particular with outside sales, our job is to reduce risk. Like that's Mm -hmm. what we're trying to do in the sales process is just make them feel more comfortable, reduce the risk for them to make the decision to work with us. Well, the only way you're going to reduce risk is to build trust. So that's why step three is so incredibly important is you have to establish that trust so that they're willing to share with you what you need. And then you can move on to step four, which is then asking for that partnership or asking for the deal or asking for what it is you want.
1: And then what's step five?
0: Step five is following up, but it's uh, a little with a twist. It's following up with gratitude. And this is a little bit of my magic sales process that I feel has really served me um, in my sales career. And I, I feel really, really grateful to be able to do this. I get to wake up every day and help people make more money. It's a pretty good gig. <laughs> <And> <laughs> it's, it's pretty fun. Uh, but gratitude is where I come from in every single opportunity. And I think salespeople in particular, we move so quickly that it's like we had this meeting this meeting, and then we're on to the next one. We have this meeting and then we're on mm-hmm. to the next one. Our follow-up isn't always as great as it could be. So that's the first one but it's the way we follow up with gratitude regardless of what the answer is in the sales conversation because even if it is a no let's say that you're not going to buy from me today you just gave me 20 minutes or 30 minutes to go through what you need what i might have to offer and now you're or should be a walking commercial for me and depending on how that interaction went is whether you're willing to go tell somebody else my story. So I come from a place of gratitude that I want to follow up with you, even if you said no to me, because I want you to go tell that story. I, you know, To truly have a sale, in the true outside sales sense of the word, a lot of stars have to align. <laughs> mm-hmm. have a lot, of, So much of it is out of our control. I mean, as salespeople, the only thing we can control is how many outbound touches we make. We literally have no control over anything else. So you start to control your day. You start to control your your route, your plan. Those are the things that you can sort of take on. Mm-hmm. But what's funny is when you get to the sale aspect, so much of that is something that we cannot influence one way or the other. So you have to look at it from that place of gratitude that I'm grateful that this person even thought to have a conversation with me and was willing to let me talk about my product or service or software. And then you follow up and continue to follow up because you never know when those things change. Circumstances may change. The stars may align or they may be a referral source for you too.
1: Absolutely. Um, Let's zoom back to step four, asking for the partnerships. What, what tricks and tips do you have for asking for the business?
0: So what's funny is in the book, I talk about like the tricks that are taught and, you know, as a salesperson, I'm sure you're taught them. I was too, you know, things that you can do and the soft close, the big C, the little C, like all these things. What I want to teach is not a close at all, but a partnership. And, you know, the old ABC always be closing. I actually don't necessarily buy into. I think it's always be curious because if you're continually curious, you're going to continue to find ways to provide value. And that's the whole point of sales is to continue to provide value. And so when you're asking for the business, whether it's a transactional sale or a relationship sale, it's asking in a way that truly provides value to the other person. So you know before we we started recording today, we were talking about dogs and I'm obsessed with my dog. And he understands English as most dogs do. They understand words like walk, treat, you know, go to the park, whatever. Now, I'm not saying our prospects are like dogs, but (laughs) 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 there are similarities that they're looking for that treat. They're looking for that part that has to do with them. And so in your ask, if you're leading with what they're going to get and how the risk is reduced in them getting that, and then you ask what you need in return, totally shifts the ask because it's not just about you, it's about you helping them. And that's the way I teach it in the book is giving first before you get.
1: Yeah, you always hear that every negotiation is a give to get. You have to get, and and you know, I remember, I remember having a manager earlier in my sales career telling me you always have to get something if you're ever going to give something in a negotiation. But it's, it, I guess what you're saying is a little bit different. Is always give, and then, then you will get later. It's like you know, mm-hmm. give, and then you'll receive. But yeah. first, you have to, you kind of take the leap as a to give someone something first. That's that's an interesting strategy. I I love it.
0: Thank you. And, and I think part of that also comes from, you have to come from that place of abundance as a salesperson and so many salespeople, you know, there are quotas that are still out there. People are still managing by these things and I, and I totally get it. And I've been there, trust me, um, as an outside salesperson myself. And so we have to stop and think each interaction we're having with a prospect or potential client is something that gets us closer to another deal or closer to another relationship or closer to another sale whether they buy today, whether they buy tomorrow, because they are that walking commercial for us. So you have to choose to come from that place of abundance versus scarcity. Because if you're coming from scarcity, we all know this, the prospect can smell it all over you. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. that desperation is palatable. But if you're coming at it from a place of, I'm not going to sell you anything you don't need. And if it's great for today, that's fantastic. And if it's not, that's okay too. And being able to recognize that and maybe don't sell them something right now, but maybe sell them on sending you a referral, maybe sell them on introducing you to somebody else. There are so many ways to continue to make that a successful quote sale without actually having them sign a check in that moment if it's not right. And that's what I wanna give people permission to be able to do too in sales is sometimes we push because we think we have to hit this quota or or something, but you know when it doesn't feel right. You know when you're selling somebody versus inviting them to buy. I always want you to invite them to buy.
1: And you brought up quotas. Uh, what are your thoughts around quotas?
0: So it's funny. I, uh, quotas, some may argue, are plans, right? And I actually like quotas. I'm a goal-oriented person. I write down my goals. I'm a to-do list girl. Like I like all of those things. So I'm actually a fan of it from that angle. But I think you have to know your sales team. And I think you have to know yourself as a salesperson. And I think for some people, they're incredibly demotivating. And I think they're starting to to shift and some teams are not using them in the way that they were when you and I were sort of outside sales in that capacity. But I do think there is sort of a bumper that they give us in terms of, this is where you should be. This is a range where you should be. And so I do think there is a benefit to that, but you got to know each individual salesperson. And if this is the thing that is literally holding them back because they are so fearful, they're not going to hit it, maybe move it, you know, Take the Governor off and see what happens.
1: yeah i i uh I always kind of thought the I, I always treated the quota like it was a random number um, and just tried to sell as much as I possibly could yeah. <laughs> and, and some years were great and some years were okay, but it, you know I always tried to I, I always tried to ignore it and not think about the quota because I felt like mm-hmm. the just the philosophy of thinking about it all all the time, the mindset of thinking it all, about it all the time almost hurt me in negotiations, like I, I wouldn't, yep. I wouldn't be able to, I, I, it's almost like I was, if I just was so worried about getting the deal done, because I was focused on that number, I, I wouldn't get as, I wouldn't actually bring in as much revenue on each deal, you know, it's better to yeah, just do the do, do the best you can on every job, and then, on uh, every deal, and, and then, uh, and let the, you know, kind of, you kind of let the chips fall where they may, because if you just do, you do your best on every single one, then you'll, you'll, uh, you'll end up doing better in, in the end, I think. Whereas if you just fix it on the number, I think it's not only mentally tough, but I, I, I think it, has a, it can have a, a bad result.
0: I agree. And I think you end up looking for the wrong finish line. So if the quota is like, I have to hit this number, that's not actually the goal. The goal is the relationship with that client. The goal is to turn that client into a great referral source or to give them a good Mm -hmm. story to tell or that they give you good reviews. And if we're focused on that other finish line, it's like you're focusing on a transaction ship, not a relationship. And that's not really what any business is anymore. Um, we really wanna create those relationships with the buyer, especially with consumers having so much more say in what we do now. I mean, I can tell the world on Twitter in five seconds whether I like it or hate it. And so mm-hmm. we have to recognize that each of those interactions, we're selling that person on wanting to tell a good story about us. And I think it's really important. And sometimes the quota, um, you know, shortens that, that view a little bit too much in my opinion.
1: Yeah, you know, it's 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 funny. These these all these interactions we have in our, with our customers are so important, and doing a great job on them is so important. Because, like you say, word word gets out there. If if you weren't getting a good job, doing a good job, then then word's gonna get out. And if you are getting doing a good job, word will get out. I, it, this morning, um, I, I I got a bunch of notifications that there are a bunch of things going on in our, on on Badger's Facebook page, um. And, uh, you know, and what it was, was a discussion. Someone, someone had basically said, this is like the same as Google maps. I don't see why anyone would buy this. And then a bunch of our customers who, I don't know if they're getting notifications or, or I don't know how they even knew, knew to do this. Cause it was, he was commenting on a video on our Facebook page, like a kind of a commercially video. and. And they were, and, then, and so then a bunch of our customers were like, oh, well, I mean, I use it for this and this and this, and obviously Google Maps doesn't do that. This is how, this is why it's so valuable to me. This is what it does. And like them, they, it's it's like they were, they were selling for us. And so like my mm-hmm. salespeople didn't have to, or our marketing team didn't jump on and like answer this guy's question. I actually then did jump, I, I then did put a link on, well, here's a feature list of like, you know, what, what, the, the valuable things we do compared to that, but. But they'd already answered the question, and like you know, in, in real time, right? And one of them had offered to like you know, if, jump on a call and, and explain it to the guy, like. And you know, it's it's, it's really <laughs> you. you uh, That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and, and and you you know you you I, I guess we're we're in a u- unique situation, obviously, because our customers are salespeople, and so you know they tend to spread the word if. So doing a great job for them, I think, is, is even more important for us. Because if we do do a great job for each customer, then they, they know how to communicate value professionally. Uh, so that, that ends up really helping us out. But um, anyway, that, that, that's, that happened this morning.
0: <laughs> I, love, I love that. But, but that's, a, that's a perfect example of even your customer's job as a sales job. You know, even the person that's using that and you've given them a story to tell, you've given them an experience that now they are a flag bearer for your company. That's amazing. And that's what we should be doing in sales is making sure that every interaction is a positive sales interaction so that that person has a story to tell about us, whether they bought something or not.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and what about uh, what? Why is it important for, for non salespeople to embrace sales?
0: So I would I would argue that everybody is a salesperson, but there are folks that <laughs> you know the their business card, yeah, <laughs> their business card does not say that. But I run into this a lot. You know, I'm I'm in the Bay Area as well, and so software companies and tech companies, and they're like, well, they're that's the engineering department. You can't tell me that engineering is not sales. You can't tell no, me that programmers I, are I, not I, sales.
1: <laughs> I would never tell you. That. I, I actually have right. engineers um, join sales calls sometimes because I want them to understand our customers better. They, I have them join customer support calls. I have them join sales calls. Um, I have them join customer success calls with people that are already our customers, just because I want them to hear things from our customers' perspective. I want them to be able to ask questions. I want them to be able to answer questions. I, I want them engaged, um, and, it's, and they are salespeople, but they also they, they need to – I guess what I'm really doing there is I want them to listen like a salesperson listens to the customer because then I you're
0: teaching the them product. step three,
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I want them to, I want them to listen and understand that customer's needs so that they then go and build the product, you know, the way the customer would need it to be.
0: And, and that's exactly it. And so like all of those jobs that are not sales jobs per the business card or per their you know profile online, they absolutely are because they're interacting with the rest of your team they're creating the content or the product or the software that your client is needing. So it absolutely is a sales job. And I think even the interaction that we're having with one another is that sales job too of, you know, I have to convince engineering that I need a quick turnaround on this because I've got a client that I can sell it to if we can prove that we can do it, or I need it to do this functionality because this is the feedback that we're getting from the field and our customers are asking for it and we're not able to do it yet. So, All of these pieces are sales. And then the flip side of that is that engineer or that developer or that programmer has to then sell you on the fact that why it can or can't be done. Those are sales interactions. We're just calling them conversation versus sales.
1: Is this what you're talking about in your book when you talk about unofficial sales?
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> there is no revenue exchanged, but it is still a sale. Yes.
1: <laughs> mm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Like an intera- like an interaction with your child. No revenue is being exchanged, yeah. <laughs> but you're selling.
0: <laughs> yeah. There is a currency.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. The currency, a currency is eating it's- your vegetables.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. For sure. Cleaning your room. Going to bed. Yes. Any of those things. <laughs>
1: um. Well. Uh, in your book, you also talk a lot about gratitude and, um, and I guess that's step five. What are, I I guess that's not something that most of us, it's not something people naturally think that they're, you know, they, they don't naturally, naturally feel gracious, um, when they're, when they're selling or maybe they, maybe they do What, 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 uh, what are some some ways that to show gratitude to people that uh, who say yes to you besides simply saying thank you?
0: So, you know, it's funny when the book came out last fall, um, I had written a bunch of guest articles for, you know, different publications. And I wrote one called the business value of a thank you. And my publicist emailed and she's like, it got picked up again. It got picked up again. It got picked up again. And I'm like, Okay. Like I liked it. It was a good article. I thought I did a good job, but it wasn't like the one where I really wanted to make the impact. It got republished 13 times. And that's the one that got me interviewed in Forbes. And it was funny because when the guy called to do the interview, I asked him, what was it about this article? And he goes, it is such a simple thing that nobody does in business anymore. And it really struck me. I thought, Oh my God, like this is something that I've been doing my whole career and is part of my sales process, but this, this is a a bit of a lost art. And so, Mm -hmm. The, the key for me and why I put it in the book and why it feels so important to me is because I do come from that place of gratitude. And like I said, whether they said yes or no to me, it doesn't matter. I'm grateful for the opportunity. And so following up, it's saying thank you, but it's actually expressing thank you. And I think they're very different.
1: How, how I think are we different? do the throwaway. How, how do you do such well, a good job of this?
0: Well, I hope I do a good job of this, let's say that. <laughs> um, I think that we, we do a throwaway thank you. It's like when you leave the house and you're like, okay, love you, bye. Or mm-hmm. you know, you're hanging up the phone, thank you, bye. Mm-hmm. Thank you doesn't mean goodbye. Thank you is an actual interaction with someone and showing them and expressing it. And so it's a bit of a lost art. I mean, think about even your best clients. How are you showing them that you appreciate their loyalty? What does that look like every single day? Is it that we're delivering on our promises? Is it that we're, you know, proactively communicating with them to assess their needs? Is it that we're staying ahead of the headlights to make sure we're delivering what they want? Like, what is it that shows them that we are invested in them as much as they're invested in me in us? That's a way to say thank you. The magic of an actual thank you is completely underrated in my opinion, and it is evidenced by. Um, I'm a handwritten thank you girl. I'm old school. I was raised in the South. I love a handwritten note and think about the last time you got a handwritten thank you in the mail. It would have blow your mind. Wouldn't it? Very rare. We're in San Francisco. Nobody mails anything like we text each other. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> but it's a way to stand out from the crowd or sending a video. Thank you. Like something that truly stops them in their tracks and says, gosh, you know what, Steve, this was really important to me that you did this. And I just want to thank you so much. And I know this took time out of your day or whatever it is. It stops them in their tracks. So they feel the gratitude that you feel. That's the expression of a thank you versus just the words. And I think it's really important that we get back to that, especially right now. I mean, it's a a huge opportunity for us to show gratitude to our clients. But I think we get so caught up in what's next, what's next, what's next, that we Mm -hmm. sometimes lose sight of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh and for those people that are listening to this in 6 months uh right now where it is it's the March of 2020 it's the first month of quarantine here. Um for those of you, for those folks that are on a different timeline here. Um so what themes in your book do you believe are relevant to current news topics, society, the world, life in general?
0: So the first one, I would go back to planning, because now is a time for people to kind of take stock in their career and their jobs. And we're, we're doing a series right now, it's Ask Dr. Cindy, and most of the questions are around navigating this crazy time that we're in. And so I would say now is the time more than ever to go back and actually examine, are you on the career path that you wanted to be on? Are you in the job that you wanted to be in? If you're not, Use this time to take that moment and say, okay, what is it that I really want? What are my gifts that I want to bring to the world? How can I best express that? And what's the path to go on and really reevaluate that plan. And for salespeople in particular, I'm getting so many of our sales clients reaching out going, I'm freaking out. Clients don't want to meet. Prospects don't want to meet. What am I going to do? They're not doing Zoom meetings with me. They're not doing, you know, I get it. So go back to your plan. If your plan A isn't working, shouldn't you stop and create plan B versus continuing to push that rock uphill? And that's I must have had that conversation 10 times last week with different clients of okay, plan A is not working. Let's create plan B.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a really challenging time, especially for outside salespeople. In many cases, you know, the reason that you sell with an outside sales team instead of, you know, Putting it online, um, or opening up a store and waiting for customers to come to you and, and selling stuff retail, or or doing inside sales and calling your customers over the phone, is that there was something about this customer or something about this product um, or this situation or this sales cycle or something that really the best way to sell it was face to face. And so now that people aren't able to sell face to face. It's it's really hurting their business because it doesn't transition very easily. You know, like it doesn't. It's hard to sell. You know, a dentist that new tooth whitening laser with this new technology because you can't really get his attention or her attention unless you've shown up in person. Or and you can't really. It's just it's hard. Or it's too hard to explain. You know, not in person. Or it's something you really have to show where they have to experience. There's just there's a whole there's so many products. The best way to to sell them is in person and. And so a lot of the, are a lot of our customers that I'm talking to are, are really having a, a difficult time because they're like, you know, if we could have just put this thing on the internet, we already would have. Like, we need to be person to person. That's why we do it this way. Mm-hmm. And so now is a, a really a, a challenging time for a lot of our customers. And, and um, you know, so that, that it's it's kind of a our customer base is kind of a a, a focus group on uh, on the you know a group a group of companies that have. Uh, have a challenge right now you know that's why they had outside salespeople in the first place
0: and and i think you bring a good point up is you know now is forcing us to examine the model and maybe that's a good thing you know maybe this is a chance to sharpen the saw and get your sales team actually finding other ways to explain this maybe it is always still going to be best to do it face to face but how how good are their storytelling skills? How good are they actually explaining this over video? Is there a way that we should be doing this to get to more customers and get to customers during this time? One of the people that posted a question on our social media is a chiropractor. And he was saying, how, you know, how do I continue to stay in touch with my clients? I can't actually see anybody right now. And so we're talking with him and sort of coaching him through that. And it's really interesting because I do think this is forcing us to look at other skill sets that we have. And I know a lot of our clients are being forced into technology that they haven't necessarily adopted in, you know, in a short amount of time. They're having to because they're mm-hmm. using remote workforce and things like that. So... I wouldn't look at this as such a negative. I mean, definitely there's horrible things going on right now and and people are very sick, but look at it from a business standpoint as how is this going to make us stronger at the end of this? What do we need to be using this time to do? And I would Mm -hmm. use this time to train your sales team. I would use this time to coach them up. I would use this time to really take a step back and say, you know, do a SWOT analysis of your own sales team and figure out what are those strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats with each individual and coach them? I mean, do some things that are really going to shore this up. So when we get to the end of this and we are not quarantined anymore, you're even stronger when you get face to face.
1: Yeah, no, it's fantastic advice. And, um, you know, it's a great time to sharpen the saw. It's a great time to learn. And it's, it's a great time to set things up for when when things do clear up. Um, you know, like my my fiance is a uh, an eyelid surgeon and you know, she, you know, can't do eye- eyelid surgery right now. Right. Like that's, it's like the chiropractor, like he can't, you know, crack people's backs right now. It's just, it's not, a, it's not on the table, but it's um, so for, for people like them. I mean, it's, I think it's a great time to, you know, build up your social media presence, create some videos, you know, get build rapport and get to know, you know, have, have conversations with a bunch of prospective people to do these sorts of, to who will be able to use your services, um, In a little while it's a great time to do marketing um, Mm -hmm. and and, and kind of set things up because some things you just can't do well right now it's just you're kind of you're kind of stuck in in place but you can if you even if you can't do your normal sales stuff and it's just really not gonna work until this is over it's a there are other things that are productive that you can do and you know like I I was telling my fiance it's like yeah well obviously you're not gonna do very well now but um, you know the uh, it, it's if you can you can set things up so that in that July will just be a, a killer. July and August you'll just be totally booked out and you know and, and doing great because you you kind of and you won't your year won't be affected that much. Your month will be affected, but you can make it up later if you do things right now.
0: 100% couldn't agree more. And and I think for outside salespeople in particular, at least our clients that we're coaching and, and trying to help through this particular situation, we are getting them back to planning. We are getting them back to shifting their pipeline, you know, looking at, okay, your numbers are going to be different now. So go back to the math even and figure out, okay, Hey, it, let's just say for 60 days, you're not bringing a new business that changes what you need to do for the rest of the year. So get yourself back on track, figure out, okay, it's not 13 new accounts. It's now going to be 17 new accounts. Great. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, so that when you get to get out of the, the house and you can get on a plane or go drive to those clients, you're ready. And like you said, it's a time for marketing. But, but one last comment on that piece too is, this is a time to connect with your current clients as well and it's not even about sales necessarily or your product or your software but it's connecting with them as humans and people are really struggling and i think a lot of clients are managing through this but they're not leading through this mm-hmm. and so as a salesperson i think we can actually help our clients to lead through this change and to lead through this time and so sometimes it's it's taking off your sales hat and putting on your coach hat a little bit to be able to help your current clients to get through this. And I think that's a huge opportunity for salespeople because everybody else is busy. We have the moments now to be able to go do this and really support people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, the next stage in our, in our podcast today is uh, the sales in 60 seconds where I, uh, I ask you short questions that have short answers. Um, Can you name one essential habit or trait that will lead to greater success in sales? Planning. Step one, right? Yeah,
0: (laughs) absolutely. I will. It it will be on my gravestone.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, What's uh, what's the one thing you preach in every sales training?
0: Ask for the business.
1: And what's your best tip to prioritize clients when it gets busy?
0: goes back to the plan but it's also looking at what the end goal is so my best tip would be go back to the numbers go back to the plan and figure out where it's going to get you closer to that goal at the end of the day
1: sales can be a a really stressful career what is your best tip to manage stress effectively
0: You know, stress is, it's a a rough thing, but that's actually where I go back to my gratitude. And I start from that place of of being grateful and celebrating even small successes. you got the first appointment with somebody, they actually called you back, they actually emailed you back. Celebrate those little things.
1: What's the best sales advice you've ever received?
0: You already know how to do this.
1: Um, Well, as an actionable takeaway, What should the people listening today do as a first step to get them started on selling better in their job?
0: Go back to what you actually want to accomplish within the next year, within the next two years, within the next three years, and create a better plan to get there. Because my guess is you have an idea, but not an actual plan with steps.
1: All right. Well, I'm going to attempt to summarize all the wisdom that you've dropped on us here. Um, for all the people that are driving and everything um, cindy 's five step formula helps people from many different backgrounds and helps salespeople shorten their sales cycles. Sales is a life skill and it 's about helping other people. Every job is a sales job because you use sales skills in each job for things like getting a promotion, getting the job in the first place, asking to move to a new department, um, hiring people, etc. People can work on their sales skills by creating a plan. Plan for your conversations about what you want to get. Many people have a negative view of sales because of the media view of the salesperson. But there's a positive side of sales that comes from successfully selling or convincing someone of something when it really helps them. Introverts can actually be better sellers because they're often better listeners. You want to stop talking to hear what the other person wants in order to sell to them. So that's a a lesson we can all learn from from introverts is stop talking and start listening. Um, I'm a big extrovert myself, so that's that's uh, that's always been some some of the best sales advice I ever got. If we turn the if we turn the spotlight on me, I, <laughs> that I put on other people all the time is I had a, a manager early on in my sales career, and this is when I was at Google, and on we would be on a phone call, and he would hit, hit I would start to talk, and he would he would hit mute and say listen. Listen. You hold up Listen. And I still hear. I still hear him in the back of my mind sometimes doing just that. I'm like, my my instinct is to go. I want to talk, but no, listen. Just sit here. Sometimes, sometimes I'll just put my hand over my mouth and just stop myself from talking. Um, so, uh, learn to listen by pausing and noticing the nonverbal cues that other people are making. Cindy's five-step plan is one, plan, uh, probably the most important, plan for what you want. Two, look for opportunities, find ways to get closer to your plan and build out your network. Three, listen and establish trust. Someone needs to trust you to buy from you and building trust will shorten the sales cycle. Four, ask for the partnership the deal or for whatever you want to get lead to to ask for it. You lead with what they want give first before you try to get things. There are many ways to make it a successful deal without actually selling or force selling. You, you, you don't want to force a deal. If it's unnatural, um, you want to invite people to buy five and this is this is a really unique one i think um i don't think i've heard this before, heard anyone talk about this the way you you have here before um follow up with gratitude even if you don't get the sale you can follow up with genuine gratitude and you can build relationships for the future you can get referrals um it, it's important not to just say thank you but to Express gratitude genuinely and 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 more deeply a lot of people just kind of leave a, a shallow thank thank you but you you want people to really feel it Th- thoughts around that um, how you can show people that you appreciate their loyalty and show them your gratitude you can send them a, a special thank you so that they really feel that gratitude with a handwritten note or a video thank you or um, just expressing it you know more more from the heart, I think. And, and, and you can even do it in the moment. You can't just say, Oh, well, thanks. I really appreciate that. Or whatever it is that people kind of quickly, you know, spit out, but take the time to say, Hey, I, you know, this really means a lot to me that you, that you took the time. And um, I really do appreciate it. You know, there's a difference between just kind of tossing out a thank you and, and giving something that something that's genuine. Um now is the time for people to plan as salespeople. If your plan A hasn't been working when you keep trying it over and over again, think about a plan B. Think, try to think about another way to do things. Um, and Think about how you can prepare better. Cindy, this has been fantastic. Where can listeners read more about your work and how can they reach out to you?
0: Um, pretty easy to find. It's drcindy.com and my email is drcindy at drcindy.com. I'm on all of the social media platforms as First Lady of Sales or Dr Cindy we plug them in there. And I love to hear from listeners. I love to hear their questions and their success stories more than anything. That's the thing that gets me up in the morning. So if folks are taking this advice and actually implementing it, I'd love to hear and be able to celebrate those successes with them as well.
1: Well, Thank you, Cindy. And I I truly do have gratitude for you taking the time to teach us these things today. Um, This has been a great episode of Outside Sales Talk. And uh, if any of our listeners can think of other sales reps that would benefit from learning the stuff that Cindy's talked about today, share the love and forward this on to them. Take care until next time, guys.